house it's me it's your main man it's your host it's old walls i'm back episode number 28 of old walls house this week got another fun episode coming your way all my episodes are fun so that's just how it is every week boys and girls good times to be had so welcome back to old walls house as always starting with some housekeeping first of all i appreciate all you guys i appreciate the support I can, you know, ramble on and on about how much I, uh, I'm blown away by it. So, again, thank you guys always. Every week, I, I, I appreciate it so much. So, as I said, some housekeeping. You know the deal, guys. Please comment, rate, review, subscribe, share it with your friends. Let people know about it. Get the word out there. So, please do that, and it'd be, you know, very, very helpful. Uh, fun show, Like I said, fun show coming this week. We got a guest, special guest, returning guest. Bucky Appley coming back to join us to talk about the, the golf tournament this weekend, the, the Open Championship, the British Open. Also got a couple of fight things to talk about. My main man MJ's back for 60 seconds. And then, as always, my passing thoughts coming up. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Joining me now, welcoming back, the professional, the... Two-man better ball professional of the Northeastern Pennsylvania region, Eric Bucky Appley, joins us again this week. Bucky, thanks for coming back with us and carving some time out of your schedule. Thank you for having me, Jordan. As always, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here with you. So you, you obviously have an off week this week in your vast two-man better ball tournament schedule that has taken you all across northeastern Pennsylvania and the southern tier of New York. So I appreciate you, you know, carving some time out. Why don't we? Uh, why don't you let us in on that? What What have you been going on this summer? You've been playing a lot of tournaments. Give us Give us kind of the rundown. I mean, I would say that it's a lot in comparison to some, but not that many in comparison to others. Um, so it's all relative. But uh, yeah, I guess that I've played. Four tournaments uh, started with the battle at the border, which we played Hiawatha and then Enjoy in a weekend. Um, I played the Corning Better Ball Invitational. I played the Hiawatha Invitational. And last weekend I played at Berwick Golf Club's Invitational. So four tournaments so far this year. Uh, it's been a blast. Those are always fun because you get to play the golf course in their their best condition, prime conditions, if you will. And uh, had a little bit of success, not a ton, but it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun more than anything else. Um, friend of the show, Matt Waiter, had asked me to uh, follow up with you. How are the uh, the travel accommodations to these tournaments, and how are the food accommodations at the tournaments? Anything really sticking out to you? Wow. Um, so I would say that it's all about who, who you go with. Um, as you probably know, the Corning Invitational has the best travel and food accommodations. Um, our, our dear friend Peter Aquilio really hooks us up with the travel, and the food is, is absolutely outstanding. Um, but it's a little bit more pricey than others. Uh, the food at Hiawatha was better than i remember it being uh you're getting a decent bang for your buck up there but they have increased their price from from back in the day uh and it's only a two-day tournament um and berwick was a nice was a really nice event uh the food was good the golf course was really good um the travel sucked we drove an hour and a half each way for three days straight Mm. probably wouldn't want to do that again uh but yeah, I guess that's uh, that pretty much covers it. And uh, just left on the schedule, what do you just got? The Valley and then the uh, the TCC invite left on the schedule for this year. Yep, yep. Two of my two of my favorite events: the Valley Country Club Invitational, which is down in Hazleton. Absolutely love that golf course. Um, and then our home home course, the Tawanda Golf Club Invitational. No, no slander on this podcast. It's the TCC once and for all. 
Fair enough. Awesome. Well, hey, so some other golf going on this weekend. The uh, the Open Championship, or as I'd like to call it, the British Open, uh, finished up today. I don't know how you felt. I think I saw you text this in a group chat we're in. I found myself kind of irrationally rooting for Rory. I don't know why. Like, I've always liked Rory, but I've never considered him, like, my favorite golfer. But especially in, I think, the last couple months, I've been, like, all in on the dude. And ever since that Sunday 64 at the Masters, I'm like, it's going to happen this year. And I've just kind of, like, I've hitched my wagon to the guy. And I'm, like, riding the roller coaster with him now. How would you come out of it feeling? Hurt. I was hurt. Um, I like Cameron Smith. He's uh, he's a fun to watch. He's a good interview. He's an okay interview. He's not great. Um but like you, I think something that we have in common is that we're kind of golf purists. And uh, Rory has taken a, a really hard stand in the media against some of the nonsense that's going on in the game of golf. Uh, he's a great interview, and I think he's just a really honest and genuine person. Um, so I think he's become really easy to root for. And it probably doesn't hurt that he doesn't win all the time, but, man, he comes close a lot. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was pulling hard for him too. I felt like, uh, I usually am not really a fan of a player unless I have a bet on them. Uh, I didn't have a bet on it, but I was really disappointed when he didn't win today. Yeah. I, I, you're probably right. It's probably like him being like the forefront, like attacking, not attacking, but like standing up to live. That's kind of really turned me to him. I've always liked him because like you said, he's a good interview and you feel like, He's actually speaking his mind when he talks to you. So, um, and like you said about Cam Smith, I mean, there's not really much to dislike about the guy. I've kind of grown to really appreciate him. He, uh, I've picked him a couple of times in fancy golf and bet on him a couple of times this year. So that's helped me like him. But yeah, it just felt like Rory. This was Rory's to win, even with Cam shooting 64, which is fucking wild. And we can kind of get to the golf course later, but. I mean, all Rory had to do was, I mean, I know it's all he had to do was shoot 68, and he's in a playoff, but, I mean, it felt like he had his chances. I mean, I know St. Andrew's greens are huge, but he had every green and just made nothing. And it was, like, made it more frustrating, I think, to watch. that You're like, he had all these opportunities, and then even when he was hitting the green, it was like he was not hitting his spots, it felt like, and he was, like, missing missing shots that should have led to birdies, and it's kind of felt like it's that's been the thing with Rory the last, and now eight years, that he has all these opportunities, and he's just he's just missing, like, one beat in every song to, like, finish it off. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, a couple of things that caught my eye, and, you know, I didn't watch from start to finish, but I watched enough of it to kind of see what was going on. And I was following the leaderboard It almost, and I think this is easy to do, uh, especially when you open the final round of, of any tournament with a four shot lead is it seemed like Rory played not to lose a little bit today. Um, especially with the putter, it seemed like some putts that he could have really putted more aggressively to make um he was kind of lagging him next up next to the hole just kind of wishing that one would fall in um i don't know if that's true or not but that's kind of my perception uh but i also think that maybe part of the reason why we're disappointed that he didn't win is because i think if he wins that tournament today that's an iconic major mm -hmm. moment really being at St. Andrews, the 150th British Open with everything that's gone on throughout this summer for him to, if he wins that, that scene on the 18th green would have been absolutely wild. And I always love kind of just rooting for those moments that you remember in the game. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think that this one goes down in the history books like it could have if McElroy closed it out. Yeah, I agree. McElroy coming back eight years after winning a major, winning at, like you said, winning at St. Andrews, 150th British Open. Um, yeah, like you said, Cam Smith, does does just he do, what's his career going forward? I mean, he could win this one. He might win a couple more. I mean, his putter's hot, but we've seen people with hot putters before kind of disappear. So, yeah, that's probably a good way to put it that, the historical, like, the moment is always fun to root for. And you kind of look back at, 
you know, what the majors have been this year. And, you know, Matt Fitzpatrick went in school. Um, great shot on 18 in the U.S. Open. You know, Scotty Scheffler coming on the scene's fun. But, like, the most memorable major, I think, of this year is going to be Justin Thomas. Like, we're going to look back on it and be like, oh, that one. I remember that one. He came back from eight down. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. While we're while I kind of mention it, what do you think is Cam Smith's upside? Career-wise? Yeah. How old is he? He's probably like 29, 30 years old. He is. I've got his profile pulled up. He's 28. Six I, wins I currently. Know. So here's the question is, what's his interest level of continuing to play it at this high of a level? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of guys, like, they make their money and that they just kind of hang out for the rest of their career. Um, is he one of those guys? Because you know that he likes the money um, and the lifestyle. But... I don't, I mean, he's an incredible player, and he finally has broken through here. I mean, he could have won the Masters this year. Um, Wasn't it this year that he kind of collapsed a little bit? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, he ended up finishing T3. Or was it two years ago? But either way. Two years ago was the fall Masters that he finished T2, and I think he was really in that one. Yeah. Well, he's been he's been in it. Did he hit the water ball on twelve this year? or Was that not this year? I can't remember. I think he came charging this year, and then he hit a, hit a water ball on twelve. But regardless, the dude's been around the top of the leaderboard in, in a number of majors. He won the players. Um, he's he actually is really really fun to watch because when he gets it going, he's unlike. There's not many people who can get as hot as him and go as low as him. So I think he could have a great career if he wants to. But, you know, does he actually want to continue to put the amount of work in? Or does he just want to go ride around on his boat and catch fish? I mean, it's kind of up to him from here on going forward. I think that's a great way to put it if he wants to because it's kind of well documented that the dude likes to hang out, ride around on his boat, go fishing, drink beers, like – it's been well documented that he kind of lost a bunch of weight, not a bunch, but a little weight because he kind of cut back on drinking beer. So it's like, at one point, does he just be like, hey, I've accomplished a lot in the game of golf and made a lot of money. Maybe I'll just hang out and drink more beers out of my boat. So, yeah, I definitely see that. And you're right, he did hit a water ball on 12 this year. He was three back of Scheffler when he got to 12 and had kind of puttered around all day a couple back. But, yeah, then made a triple on 12. And fell out of it. Got yeah, yeah. He was. Char- it felt like he was charging though. I think he birdied eleven. Mm-hmm. Birdied ten and eleven. He was. He was coming on almost basically like he did today. And then the he got pumped up and hit the water ball, and that was all she wrote for him there. Yep, he had just birdied uh, eleven coming into that. So yep, it felt got it down to three. Maybe steal one at twelve, get one at thirteen. So yeah, yeah. I agree with you though. He's super fun to watch because it's all go all the time. Like there's no layup in him. And I kind of wondered on 17 today when he had to putt that ball around the bunker if he was going to get a little crazy with it. Like that's the most restraint I've kind of ever seen him show. Because usually it's just like fuck it, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll get it up and down. Like I'm gonna putt it around this bunker to four feet and you know tap it in. So. Maybe there was a, a little bit of growth from him just to, to dial it back just a touch. I was kind of waiting for the collapse there today. And he got a little lucky, and, like, you have to get lucky to win golf tournaments. Like, he hit balls on 16 and 17 that could have very well ended up in bunkers, and par would have been, I mean, 17 was still a pretty hard par, but par would have been hard, much harder than I think he had it by just just missing them. So, and like I said, luck you got to get lucky to win a major, so that just happens. Um, Thoughts on the old course here this week? And, you know, I think I've said before, like, British Open, Open Championship golf is, if, if, you know, there's a lot of players in the hunt, I find it interesting, but I don't find it just strictly interesting for the sake of, like, oh, it's, it's Lynx golf. Like, okay. So the courses get shredded if the wind doesn't blow and they have to tuck the pins or the wind blows a million miles an hour. And that's cool. Like, I love seeing the guys have to deal with wind and stuff. But what are your kind of thoughts on, you know, Lynx golf and the British Open and kind of St. Andrews more specifically? 
I appreciate the fact that it's the home of golf. Um, it's an iconic venue. As far as the golf course itself goes, I mean, they had to make it pretty Mickey Mouse to keep the winner at 20 under. So you know that it's not as hard as like some of the American golf courses that they play majors on. But I, I honestly, I have no issue with that. I like the history of it. I love, you know, like the closing couple holes. Number one is always just kind of a cool hole. Um, it's St. Andrews. The history of it's awesome. It's different than what, what we watch week in and week out. So I I actually really enjoy it for those reasons. I think I, the green, like the thing about the greens, how they everyone adds up to eighteen, mm-hmm. and they have double greens everywhere. Just it it would be a blast to go out there and play that one time. Did you hear that on the telecast at all? That all the greens add up to eighteen. I don't know if I heard that today or. Saturday or Friday or Thursday at all. It may have slipped by me somehow. Did they say it 17 times each day? I think they, they must have because I only watched it about for about a half an hour total and I knew it. So, yeah, <laughs> they probably did say it 17 times each day. It felt like every time they do, like, the announcer switch, you know, they do, like, the <laughs> yeah. announcer switch every three hours. They're like, oh, you know, they're on the fourth green. And, you know, this is also with the 14th. They add up to 14. If you keep going, or 18, they keep going. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I heard it the last time, Justin Leonard. Nick Faldo told me this morning. Uh, But, yeah, I do agree with you in the fact that I'm cool with St. Andrews. The history of it, I think it's worth going there. I would just don't need to be told how awesome of a golf course it is. Like, okay, it's it's really not anymore. And I get that, like, the technology and the ball has kind of done that to it. But, like you said, they have to go kind of Mickey Mouse to keep it at 20. Like, just put the pins in normal places, and if guys shoot 30, they shoot 30. Like, just let it happen. Like, that's the one thing I hate in golf. And they, they've kind of backed off this in the U.S. Open a little bit, but it was like, oh, we got to protect par. Like, so we're going to, like, trick the course up. Like, who cares? Golfers are better now than they were 10 years ago, and they were better 10 years ago than they were 20 years ago. Like, without, like, me doing massive changes to ball and, and you know, equipment modifications and things like that, Courses are just going to get shredded because these guys are so good. So I'm like, just let it happen, but just don't tell me how awesome the golf course is, like how tough a challenge it is, because it obviously wasn't that tough because I think something like 15 guys, what was it? Yeah, 15 guys finished at 10 under or better. And I think to get to, let's scroll down the leaderboard, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, only 10 guys finished over par in the entire field today that made the cut and three of those were amateurs. So like I'm with you. I love the history of St. Andrews. I'm good with them going back, but I just don't need to be told, Oh, what a test of golf it is. Yeah. Well, I like what you said too, about the nonsense of protecting par. I don't see why there's so many people. It seems in the game that they're almost offended. If, if the winner shoots a really low score, but Golfers have gotten more athletic. The technology is better. Um, their training is way better. I mean, everything's gotten better to the point that the players are just, they're obviously way better than they were 30 years ago mm-hmm. because of all, all the advantages that they have. So what's why is it such a bad thing if they go out and shoot really low scores? Like, they're just going to continue to get better. Yeah. So. I don't see why that's such a negative. I mean, par is just a number. At the end of the day, the lowest score wins, and it's fun to watch good golf and good golf shots. I'm totally with you. Par is such an irrelevant number. Like, it's the Masters made it up so that it would be easier to follow the scoreboard in, like, 1950. Really? Yeah, I think that double, you can quote, you can check me on that, but it's something along those lines. Like, they figured out that it was much easier to say, hey, you know, Cam Smith's on 16 and he's 18 under and Rory's on, you know, 15 and he's 18 under than being like, well, Cam Smith's at 242 and Rory's at 238 and then you got to try and add it up along the way. And that I know that that's for sure what, what it, how it started, the two-par thing. But uh, I don't remember exactly if it was like the 50s or the 60s. It was something to do with TV. It was to help the TV viewer understand it. So somehow along the way, we got really locked into like two par and what par is. And like Cam Smith was 20 under. So that's what 
288 minus 20. So he shot 268. He he beat Cameron Young by one. Like, that's all that matters. Yeah, so tell me about your lift thoughts. What uh, I know we've kind of talked about it in group chats, and I think you're about on the same side as me, but uh, just give me kind of your overview of what you think and how it's going. The news was just out that Henrik Stenson, the sitting Ryder Cup captain, is going to live and is now no longer Ryder Cup captain for Europe coming up. Amazing. Um, <clears throat> I think that Liv is becoming the tour for the guys that were that made it on the PGA Tour but no longer care to be relevant, really, um, to just go get some guaranteed money and not have to worry about missing a bunch of cuts and, and like, really working on their game. Uh that's what I think it's gonna gonna turn into with the list of players that they have right now. Yeah, I mean, really, it's a list of has beens. If you look at it, I mean, they're wh- who's the best player they got? DJ. And yeah, probably. By all accounts, he just doesn't give a fuck. So right. eliminate him. Who's the next best guy? Bryson. And he's yep. a dude who's like so off the wall that yeah, he won a major just two years ago, but. He's a dude who could disappear. Like, that dude just has one major and gone written all over him, right? Yeah. And then yeah. after that, who's a good player on that tour? Brooks Kepka, who's uh, another guy who doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else is even on there. I mean, I don't have a list in front of me. I guess Patrick Reed uh, just... Chasing the money. It's been a long time since he won too. So I, I, it's just I look at the I look at it, and it's interesting to talk about. And then the tournaments come on, and I turn it on because like oh I've talked about it enough with my friends and on the pod, and I'm gonna at least check it out. And then I watch it for five minutes, and I'm like, why the fuck should I care? Like, what is there to care about in this? Uh, Yeah, I think golf's a game of tradition and history, and the live tournaments are never gonna have any of that. Um, and I would like to know when is the last time a guy currently on the live tour won a PGA tour event or a major would have been Phil in 21, right? The PGA Phil won the PGA last spring. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, and they have a tournament every single week. Yeah. So, I mean, and to be fair, Phil's my favorite golfer ever, but his game was shit before. He came out of nowhere, won that, and then his game was shit again. Yeah, he caught lightning in a bottle. Yeah, he caught lightning in a bottle like an all-time great Will. But, like, mm-hmm. even as a Phil fan, I'm not, like, turning to live to, like, watch him shoot 75. Right. Like, I don't give a shit about that. So it's basically a bridge between the PGA Tour and the PGA Champions Tour. If they let him come back. Which they won't. No. And I will say, the biggest douchebag on that tour is Pat Perez. Because Pat Perez shit all over Phil Mickelson and the Live Tour and went on multiple podcasts. I think he did it with uh, with the Barstool guys, and then he did it with Colt Nose. Like, shit all over the tour. Said he wouldn't go for $40 million a year, and then that bitch goes for $10 million. Like, fuck that guy. There's not a bigger bitch in the world than Pat Perez in my eyes. So now we hate Pat Perez forever. Oh, I hate him forever. I don't care what he does. Like, he's out. Like, he's made the list. Like, this is my list of people I hate forever, and he's fucking at the top of it right now. I love it. I love it. The only thing I do like about it is that it has brought a lot of controversy to the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the controversy probably is good for the game, especially in, like, the summer months when the majors aren't happening. Yep. Um golf kind of falls by the wayside and it didn't as much this year as it has in other years at least for my personal radar yep yeah do you see it like do you see him getting more people i mean there's got to be more but like do you see him getting anybody good like the guys like rory jt jordan spieth they've kind of all staked their claim that they're not going i mean i know there's been rumors flying around that cam smith was going to go recently but like at what point do you think it's a real worry for how the PGA Tour operates. Well, at what point does the do the owners of Live have to decide if they want to continue this thing? Because they can throw all the money they want into it, but they're still business people. 
So I think they're business people anyways. So if they're just turning a tremendous loss, you know, a year or two down the road because people aren't watching and they don't get the TV deal that they were hoping for, do they continue with this thing or do they just scrap it? Like, do they still have the money to keep throwing into this year after year if, if like, our TVs aren't going on to watch Live every weekend? Yeah, so the money thing's interesting because, like, the Saudis obviously have endless amounts of money, but the PIF or whatever that their fund that is funding this and a bunch of other shit is called, um, I think there's, like, $600 billion in that or something. I've read that the goal, that thing is supposed to be making money at some point. And at the current rate, like, Liv's not contributing to that. Like, they've doled out a ton of cash, and I don't know that they need to make money in two years or three years or four years or even five years, but, like, the idea is that thing makes money for them somehow. I don't know how the accounting works, like, if they can be like, oh, we've brought, you know, six tournaments to Saudi Arabia, and that's, we count for that or what, but... It's also, like, the Saudi Arabia plan is, like, the Saudi... It's something 2030. It's, like, the Vision 2030 or some shit. Like, they want a bunch of people to go invest in Saudi Arabia. And, like, what if we get... Like, what if they get to, like, 2027? They're like, oh, we're close enough. Like, fuck this golf tour. Like, we're out. Like, it's just losing us money. We've got the foreign investment we wanted. We're transforming our image, and we're good. So, I think that's a huge worry. I've had this conversation with other people before. Like, if I was the dudes that got promised, like, $200 million, I would not be taking that shit in installments. I'd be like, I'll take that up front, and I'll play, but, like, you ain't giving me that fucking shit in installments and fucking tanking my career. And then two years in, you're like, eh, we're done paying you. Because what are you going to do? Sue the Saudis? Right. Right. Yeah, I hope it's a flop, and I hope everybody who joins it it ruins their careers and uh, the PGA Tour. There's enough really, really good golfers coming out of the college ranks and the Corn Ferry Tour right now that uh, they've got they've got no shortage of superstars in the making. So the game's in a good place. Liv is a, a black eye in a way, but uh, I think the game will continue on in the right direction. And the good thing is the PGA Tour has the right guys. The guys yeah. that you would want are the ones that have stepped up and really stake their claim that they're staying put. And uh, I think that that is going to be the difference maker in the long run. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I hope we're right because, like you said, the it's the antithesis of anything golf-related. Like, no-cut events, scrambles. Like I mean, shotguns like we're playing a four-man scramble on a Tuesday afternoon for a charity event. Like, come on. That's just – that's not what championship golf is supposed to be. Like, go out there and earn your shit. No guaranteed money. Like, that's for all the other pussy-ass sports. Like, go earn it. So, I'm I'm glad I got an ally that agrees with me. I know we've got a, a certain friend who seems to be a little more on the live train. That uh, we won't... We'll, he'll remain nameless, but he knows who he is. The guaranteed money is the most disgusting part of it all. Because that's really what makes golf great. Is that it's pay per performance. Yep. And you've heard this line many times, but the... You know, the golf ball doesn't know who's hitting it. Yep. And uh, a lot of sports aren't that way. When you see certain quarterbacks in the NFL getting calls or NBA players getting calls from the referees or favored in this way or that. But in golf, there's really that doesn't occur. Um, and that's part of the beauty of the game and the guaranteed money. It really takes some of that away. Yep. That's the perfect way to put it. I think that's the perfect way to wrap up our little conversation. So. Bucky, I appreciate you, buddy. Um, I'm sure you'll be back. I know we'll be back for uh, March Madness next year, but I'm sure we'll see you before then. So thank you, man, for coming on. And uh, if you got any other last thoughts, throw them in before we, we let you go. Wow, last thoughts. Well, you started with it, so I'll end with it. Um, we have some some better ball golf coming up in August and one in which you will be in town. Um, I know – a few of the listeners of this podcast participate in Tawanda Invitational and also with our NFL Fantasy Football Draft. Um, it's always a weekend for the ages, so if I don't get to see you before then, I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing you that weekend. Yeah, the, uh, the invite, always a good weekend. Uh, I'm starting prep for the draft. Got the computer lined up to tell me what to do again. 
So we'll uh, we'll be ready. We'll be ready. I had a uh, kind of a banner year for me in our fantasy football league. I think I went from out of the cellar in that tenth to twelfth range. I think I finished sixth this year, or maybe seventh. You know, I think it really speaks for where we're at in life that the fantasy football league has become more important than the golf tournament. It's vastly more important for me, especially <laughs> after my performance last year and. Uh, who I've chosen to kind of reach out to as playing partners this year, I think, speaks to that as well. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to that. Always a good time with the boys. We'll uh, we'll definitely be having a special kind of episode. I don't. I think probably following the invite that we'll have a ton of uh, invite content and interviews that I will be conducting that week. So, should be a good time. Wow, wow I can't wait for that. Awesome, man. Well, hey, again, I appreciate you. Uh, we'll talk again sometime soon, I'm sure, at least in uh, a couple of weeks at the invite. But until then, we'll uh, we'll keep in touch, and we'll get you back on here soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Wally. Take it easy. Yeah. Okay, over to the fight world. Had a, uh, had a pretty decent boxing match I kept my eye on this weekend. Ryan Garcia was back in action against Javier Fortuna. Uh, that was a fight that was originally scheduled to be at 135 pounds, the lightweight division where Garcia had predominantly fought. Uh, it ended up being at 140. Late into the lead-up to it, I, it was reported that Fortuna's camp asked for the weight limit to be raised. So that happened. Uh, in the actual fight itself, Ryan Garcia was pretty dominant. Three knockdowns on the way to a, a, a KO in the sixth round. Uh, a beautiful three-punch combo, left-right-left, uh, that knocked Fortuna down. That was the third knockdown. He elected to not not try and meet the count. It was, a, it was a good win from Garcia. Fortuna was outmatched. Let's just say what it was. That wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a good matchup. But Garcia did what he had to do. He won the fight. He won it convincingly. He got a knockout. He dominated the guy. Credit for him doing what he's supposed to but I'm not going to say he's the greatest fighter in the world for it. He's Now he's saying that he wants Tank Davis, and that's kind of the fight we all want, is Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Tank Davis, we're not going to get it next. Like, just not going to happen. It uh, It's just 100% not going to happen, and it's disappointing because they're two guys who are good fighters, haven't really beaten a whole lot of top-quality competition, either one of them, and they're like a perfect matchup for each other. It would be a fun, exciting fight, I think. But there's too much going on. There's promoters, you know, Tank Davis is with PBC and Floyd Mayweather and Ryan Garcia's with Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy and on the zone. So like there's the different network shit. And now Ryan Garcia is saying that he wants to fight him at 140. And Tank's not a 140 guy. He's a 135 guy. That's maxing him out, I think. He's probably better suited to be at 130 with his size, but has done done okay at 135, so no real complaints. But I don't see it ever happening at 140. And then the problem is it's got to happen now or never because Ryan Garcia, I don't think is I don't think 140 is going to be where he stops. I think he's up to 147 or possibly 154 later in his career. So if this fight doesn't happen now, it's probably going to be one of those boxing matches that just goes to the wayside and and never happens, which is too bad. Because it's a fun fight. People would probably make some money on it if they could, you know, be reasonable about their requests and their, what they want up front. But, you know, who knows? So, uh, disappointing that that's not going to happen. But both are fun fighters to watch and will draw a lot of eyeballs either way. Just a couple, a couple other things in fight news. Jermel Charlo is going to defend his undisputed 154-pound title, junior, welter, uh, junior middleweight title against Tim Zhu, and that fight is scheduled for, wait for it, because yes, we'll be waiting for it, January 28th of the year 2023. It is July of the year 2022. Six months, six months away. We're waiting six months to have this fight. Charlo last fought two months ago. Two months ago, in May, Tim Zhu, even longer, he fought in March. 
I, I know there uh, Tim Zhu had some surgery, but what are we doing here? We're setting a fight six months out? I mean, come on. Charlo, so that'll be eight months for Charlo and ten months almost to the day for Tim Zhu. Just fight more. Fight more often. And and on the complete flip side of that, Bam Rodriguez got added to the Triple G and Canelo undercard. He uh, he last fought uh, not even a month ago, June 25th, and then also fought in February 5th. Hope, you know, fighting again on that September 17th. And reports are out of his camp that if it goes well and he's matched up against somebody who he's probably going to take it to pretty good, Israel Gonzalez, uh, he'll probably, you know, if he comes in prepared and does his, what he's supposed to, he'll probably wipe the floor with the guy. And they're like, if we get out of that fight unscathed, we want to fight in December. He wants to fight four times. Four times. Three times in six months. So props to that dude. Props for getting after it. Then over in the UFC, there was some fight news as well. Islam Makachev is now going to be the man to face Charles Oliveira at UFC 280 for the uh, UFC lightweight title. It's technically a vacant title. Oliveira missed weight in his last defense, so he was stripped of the title, but it's his title. Everybody knows it's technically vacant, but the crazy thing, Makachev is a big favorite. Minus 255. I think that's big for somebody going up against Charles Oliveira, who's just looked unbeatable. I shouldn't say unbeatable. He's gotten rocked a couple times, but comes back. So unbeatable isn't the right term. But still, for a guy who's been on a pretty dominant run, to be a plus 215 underdog defending your title, that's pretty crazy to me. And uh, Alexander Volkanovsky has said he would like to move up and face the winner. So that uh, that should, I'm that's a fun, fun fight. Uh, can't wait for that one. So. Yeah, that's everything in the fight game this week. Uh, there'll be more coming. Uh, fight schedule starts to pick up here in not too long, so be be more coming that way. What's up, Wally? What's up, everybody? It's MJ. Uh, good to be back. Uh, had a couple ideas what to ask or what to say. You know, I was going to talk about maybe like the, the open, the golf, and how lovely it is when all these professional golfers that are so good just look like amateurs like I do on the course. But I think the thing I'm going to talk about is kind of near and dear to my heart today. Uh, hangover food. Wally, what is your go-to hangover food? I feel like a long time. There's there's always like, you know, you get your pizzas and stuff and everything like late nights. But in the morning, hungover, what do you go for? Fast food? Like, do you make something? Mine, I think forever, for some reason, has been Burger King. Uh, just got get your thoughts on the best hangover food. MJ gone. Have a good one, everybody. Okay, MJ, my man. Another great question from MJ there. So, hangover food. I will say, like now, things I like greasy things. You know, like uh, a good greasy burger or... Um, McDonald's, they're not super greasy, but these are awesome because I got the tortilla. The McDonald's sausage breakfast burritos, oh, those are great for hangovers too. I love a fountain Coke too. Like a McDonald's fountain Coke is great. A fountain soda, really, really I don't know what it is about it. That feels so good. Uh, also, just a straight up Gatorade in the morning. But the best hangover cure ever, ever was... Alfred University, where I went my freshman year of college, uh, the main dining hall, I forget what it was now, they had cooked to order chicken patties, and those things came out hot and greasy. Cooked to order chicken patties from the dining hall, put a little mayo on them, get a fountain Coke to go with it. That was the ultimate hangover cure of all hangover cures. I've never in my life found something as good as of a, a hangover cure as that. And last, you want to uh, you want to really just double down and say, I'm a little hungover. We're going hair of the dog. I'm cracking a beer, and I'm just getting right back on the horse, and that's how you beat it. And it's funny because I just saw a great meme 
of uh, Spider-Man, the Green Goblin, uh, Willem Dafoe. Jeez, I almost forgot his name. When he says in Spider-Man, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. And it says, when you kill a hangover by getting wasted again. So that's probably the best cure short term. But long term, it bites in the ass. My favorite of all time, the two chicken patties made to order at the Alfred Dining Hall with a fountain Coke. And uh, nowadays, I think those sausage breakfast burritos at McDonald's. Again, Fountain Coke. Fountain Coke is very, very important. Okay, passing thoughts. Here we go. Let's get right into it. Saw a tweet from Barcelona. I think this was from Pardon My Take specifically. Mount Rushmore of college football traditions. I'm just going to pick a couple out of here. Uh, Tailgating, awesome, of course, speaks for itself. The Iowa wave to the Children's Hospital at the Iowa games. Uh, went to an Iowa game this past fall. That's a tearjerker, man. Like, it, that chokes you up. Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. That seems cool as shit. Would love to be there. Uh, betting the over on the Bedlam game. Love it. Burning couches at West Virginia. That seems like it had to be on there. One of my favorites and I think I've talked about this before, but one of my favorites on this list, responsibly making your money back on the late Hawaii game. I think I've mentioned before, and if I haven't, I'm telling it again either way, so deal with it. That in college, we used to bet, we used to have a rule that anytime you want, you know, if you're on a heater, you want to press it, the Hawaii game comes on at midnight. Well, you got your the shit kicked out of you that day and you want to win some back, Hawaii game comes out at midnight. So we always would bet Hawaii in the Hawaii game. That was the rule. Like, if you're going to bet the Hawaii game, you bet Hawaii. Regardless of what, you know, whatever it was, Hawaii. Turns out those son bitches was point shaven while we was in college betting on them. So that's great. Now, the one I'm going to take the biggest, the biggest offense to, I guess it's not offense. It's just an overrated thing. Jump around at Camp Randall, Wisconsin. Went to a Wisconsin game last year, first time, experienced jump around. I was disappointed. It looks cool on TV. In person, I was like, this is going to be so awesome. I don't know if I just built it up so much in my head that it just couldn't, it, it couldn't, you know, meet expectations, but I was severely disappointed. Maybe, and again, it was a noon game. So, or 11 o'clock game. So maybe everybody wasn't all, you know, liquored up and weren't hyped up. But I don't know. I was, I was disappointed in it. So I, I take, I take offense to that. I am taking offense. Jump around, overrated, not as good as uh, tradition as some of the other things on there. And it's just not, it, it, it's a letdown. It's a letdown. That's all. I saw, saw a great tweet that, uh, Panera Bread makes fast food for people who think they are too good for fast food, which was one of my favorite things ever, because that is 100% what it is. I mean, it's good. It's better than McDonald's and Burger King. Like, it's better quality food. I love me all those things, but it is. People are like, oh, I'm going to go to Panera. I'm too good for this. I got a baseball, a baseball topic here for a second. Uh. This was Wednesday of last week. What would that have been? Like the like the 13th, I think. Uh, the Royals player, Whit Merrifield, did not play uh, the day before. So it would have been Tuesday of last week, the 12th, I guess. That ended his consecutive game streak at 553 games. That leaves the Braves first baseman, Matt Olson. The longest active playing streak at 221 games. For him to tie, yes, to tie Cal Ripken Jr.'s record of 2,632 games, he would have to play every single game until the year 2036. He would also be 42 years old. I just just putting some context on how impressive. Cal Ripken's streak is 200, I mean, 2,632 consecutive games. Matt Olson would have to play every game for the remainder of this year and 13 more. Wild. Just absolutely wild. Uh, college football, little note here. 
ties in with uh, a little bit going on in the uh, the economy. So the Georgia Bulldogs won the college football championship in 1981, and then they won it in 2022. Turns out inflation this year is as high as it's been since 1981. So the moral of the story here is uh, we don't need Georgia winning any more football titles. It does not lead to good things economically for the country. So don't uh, don't root for Georgia this year. We don't need any more inflation. No more inflation. I saw a tweet of A.J. Dillon this week. He was at a uh, Kenosha Kingfish game, a minor league team in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And he did the, uh, I think it's the Oklahoma drill where you lay in your back and you jump up and one dude's got the ball and one dude's trying to tackle you with the Kingfish mascot. And he absolutely fucking truck sticked him. Uh, Bleacher Report tweeted it out. So if you want to get a good laugh, go check it out. I believe the Kenosha Kingfish also retweeted it, also tweeted it out. But yeah. AJ Dillon just truck sticks this uh, this fish in a baseball uniform. Just a uh, a great laugh, great laugh. Um, something I didn't laugh at. This one made me angry. I don't know why I get so irrationally angry over stuff like this, but I do. So I had seen uh, Bad Boys Two was on TV, or I had seen some. No, I'd seen some like tweet out the scene, the Reggie scene when Reggie shows up to date. Uh, Martin Lawrence's daughter and it's a fantastic scene like look it up like Martin Lawrence is giving him like the one the rundown you know how old are you You 15 you look 30 like the whole thing and Will Smith comes in and acts like the drunk uncle and he's waving the gun around chitty chitty bang bang like it's a fucking awesome scene and I was like man why does this dude who plays Reggie look familiar and so I search Reggie from Bad Boys 2 and I just, you know, it's not popping up right away. So I'm scrolling down and I see this dumb shit from, and I shouldn't even clicked on it just because of what the article was labeled or it was the website was called woke daddy. And I was like, uh, I, I just shouldn't have clicked it. I shouldn't have clicked it, but I did cause I'm a dumbass, and I clicked it. And there was this article about how we shouldn't do that. We should be, you know, we need to be nicer to, you know, teenage boys when they come date daughters and stuff like that. And I was like, first of all, fuck that. A good a teenage boy needs a little fear of God put in him. I remember being there. And my favorite part of this fucking assholes thing was, what do we just assume? That all 15-year-old boys are thinking about sex all the time? Yeah, motherfucker. Maybe because you were a loser and everybody turned you down, you had to, like, try and act like you weren't. But that's what most fucking 15-year-old boys are thinking about. They're thinking about trying to fuck. So maybe don't be a loser. And yeah, it's okay to fucking yell at 15-year-old boys to tell them to fucking respect young women. It's cool. Like, we should do more of that. Fucking asshole. Woke daddy. Fuck you. Okay. You want let's just Let's just keep the party rolling. Stay on shit that pisses me off. Nancy Pelosi's at it again. In June of 2022, Nancy Pelosi and her husband disclosed a $5 million stake in something called Navida, N-V-I-D-I-A. Now she is working to pass a bill entitled Chips Plus Bill, which would give $52 billion to U.S. chip companies, Navida being one of them. Just another long line of Nancy Pelosi insider trading all over the place. And I don't want to make this, like, partisan. Like, obviously, she's a Democrat, and I can't stand her. But another person I can't stand, Mitch McConnell. He sucks, too. He's a Republican. Look at his net worth. These pipe, these people make $210,000 a year and are worth multiple, multiple tens of millions. It makes no, actually, it makes all the sense in the world. They're fucking insider trading. And we're just like, oh, okay. And then when someone questions about it, she's like, no, I should be able to do whatever I want. And then the people are just like, oh, okay. Like, Jesus Christ, these people are getting rich off the backs of regular Americans. And no one gives a fuck. It's so annoying. All of them, Republicans and Democrats. Let's move on to some fun things. Zach Wilson. 
I'm a little late to this party, but apparently he likes his mommy's friends. He likes the uh, he likes the cougars. He likes the older ladies. His his former girlfriend, I guess, was spilling the beans and has started dating his best friend because she found out he was banging one of his mom's friends. Just absolutely incredible. Some of the uh, like the fake gear going around has just been awesome. I love it so much. This shit is so great. I can't, the stuff that it's going to get said to him this year in the NFL season is going to be absolutely incredible. A couple things I, uh, I watched this past week, watched uh, Bill Burr's new special, Bill Burr live at Red Rocks. Very good. Enjoyed it. First 30 minutes, just absolute, was it like 20 to 30 minutes? Just absolute fire. Just straight fire. Great. Also saw the movie Chips. We watched the movie Chips last night, me and the roommate. That was funny. Laughed my way through that. Uh, great, great, like, just stupid movie. Like, there's, it's fun. It, you're going to laugh. Don't go into it thinking, you know, it's going to, you know, rewrite the record books or anything. But it, I had a great time watching it. I laughed audibly many, many times. Just another thing to point out that movie critics are losers. It got 20, 19% on Rotten Tomatoes, like. Come on. I wasn't trying to be serious. It was fun. It was a good movie. Also, the end credits play California Love. What a great song. They just don't make rap like that anymore, man. I know I say this. Like, old man yells at cloud. Ah, the music in my day was better. California Love is an absolute banger. You point me to something as good as California Love, and I don't know. I'll do something to be young and hip again. But California Love is an absolute banger, and I will go out on a limb and say there hasn't been a rap song that good in 7 to 10 years. So, well, everybody, that's what I got. So let's go close this thing up. Closing time, everybody. Closing time. Let's close it up. Let's go home. Hang, Grab the jackets off the hangers. Put them back on. It's a cold world out there. Got to stay protected. So, Thank you, guys. I appreciate everybody for coming back. A uh, big thank you to Bucky Appley. Again, just a you know a world traveler right now on that uh, two-ball two ball circuit that he's on. Glad we could uh, catch up with him in between stops for him. So thanks, Bucky. We'll, as I said, we'll see him again soon. And uh, next week, we'll be back. Thinking, thinking about it here, guys. I got to line some things up and make sure schedules work but i think gonna do a little uh little packers preview next week training camp is starting in a couple weeks so it might be a good time to do a little packers preview i, I think that's where we're going no guarantees but I, I think that's what we'll do so we'll see you next week we'll cover we'll cover some stuff there'll be some golf tournaments or something there'll be some fights i'm sure and maybe talk a little packers football till then peace